0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal We like to get together on Fridays to kind of wrap things up for the week. And Bill, since you've predicted it so many times before in the past, I think you should be the official person to designate that this is the week we actually did finally hit peak Trump.
1: Well, maybe you're not aware that some of us, have as you just suggested, though, some of us have predicted peak Trump a few times. There were little... <laughs> Moments where it looked like Pete Trump, and it turned out not to be. So I certainly don't want to predict it now, because if only uh, for not uh, jinxing it. Um, it was a rough week for Donald Trump, though. If you and I had uh, what well, we did talk, I think Monday, and at that point it looked like Trump might win Wisconsin, or maybe he would lose narrowly. But then you'd go on to New York, and you would have had to bet pretty, you know, pretty good odds that he was going to be the Republican nominee. I do feel like it's different now, both because there are now two polls out polls out showing them losing wisconsin by 10 points And if you look closely at the fox poll from yesterday it looks more like it could go higher maybe 15 because if, if you look at the numbers on very likely voters and the Kasich second place uh choices so you know you could get lose wisconsin pretty badly get very few if any delegates suddenly then there's two weeks off till new york and then of course he's made all these um pretty amazing statements and cory lewandowski has been arrested and stuff so uh, maybe finally, you know, enough has happened that those Trump voters who are movable, which some of the polling, they try to sort of push people. It seems like about 30, 40 percent of Trump voters are open to changing their mind about him. I think he's got some hardcore support that's just never going to go away. Um, you know, maybe some of them will drift away, in which case a state like New York becomes more competitive, and suddenly one can see him falling not just a tiny bit short but, but you know considerably short 1237 at the Republican convention
0: i uh, spoke to a friend of mine in uh, massachusetts where trump got 50 almost 50% of the vote right. the, the the handful of republicans that are left in massachusetts love donald trump a lot of them are kind of blue collar white working class people and this guy has been a do or die trump to the end guy and he finally cracked and said, I, I just don't know. I, and he had a lot of excuses. The media was always out to get him. The Republicans were always out to get him. You never trump people. But I think, Bill, that it really was the abortion fiasco, not because these people are necessarily particularly pro-life or whatever, but it was such an unavoidable failure as a candidate. You are just not a competent candidate if you can't handle a simple direct question about abortion
1: maybe it was the fuggishness plus the abortion fiasco, so sort of it's a policy fiasco and a kind of character and temperament fiasco. And you could sort of excuse one for the sake of the other. You know, maybe he doesn't have a perfect temperament, but he'll shake things up and move things in the right direction. Whoops, maybe he won't move things in the right direction, but at least I admire him he's, because he's a strong guy. And then suddenly is. Campaign manager is pushing a you know young female reporter out of the way and is indicted and uh, and Trump's you know they're calling her delusional when it's clear that you know they could have apologized that's so revealing to me they could have apologized hey these things happen you know sorry about that instead no she's delusional it never happened so I think the combination of things has maybe maybe hit a critical mass I've been struck by the same thing talking to just people I run into. John McCormick, who's out in Wisconsin, just put a piece up on our website. We just put a piece by him up on the website. He talked, he went to a Trump rally, and exactly what we're just talking about. He talks to two different Trump voters. He quotes them. One, die hard, the media's out to get him, this is all unfair, I'm with Trump, it's Trump or no one. The other one, geez, you know, I was for Trump, but I I don't know, uh, I don't really like what he's been saying and the behavior. And the third thing I would add is, can he win? I think it's you know, not that many primary, not not all primary voters vote on electability, and often electability is very much of a question mark, and people say he's more electable than than someone else. They, well, one person is more electable than the other, but really it's a three-point gap. Or it doesn't mean anything. But looking at those Trump numbers, looking at him slide downhill against Hillary Clinton into a double-digit deficit, and what's happened in the last two months, I mean, she hasn't been that strong a candidate. It's just that every swing voter who's looked at Trump seems to have been turned off. And I think you know if you're a Republican, a conservative, uh, populist, uh, anything, you know, you care about winning the White House. And Trump doesn't look like he can do it. And the Gallup poll out this—I think it's out this morning. I just looked at the numbers. Trump's unfavorability among women was a net minus 27 late last year. That's already problematic. It was minus 37 at the beginning of this year. I think in January, it's minus 47. Uh-huh. At the end of March, I mean, minus 47, like those, those are numbers that, you know, convicted criminals <laughs> can achieve.
0: When you're polling worse than Bernie Madoff, you know, you have a we, problem as a New Yorker. But I, let me get back to the uh, abortion thing again, because I think it, it, in one sense, you're absolutely right about the accretion of event after event. If he had been running a smart campaign with a long game and was polling well and he had a screw up, it would be one thing. But right. to be sitting underwater, eighty percent negative uh, of view from Hispanics, seventy-two percent negative view from women, forty-five percent negative view from uh, Republican women, uh, losing to Hillary Clinton an aggregate of a of a, like you said about eleven percent, losing to Bernie by an aggregate of eighteen percent, according to Real Clear Politics last time I checked. But then you add this, and I just I think finally the pr- notion of okay. What are you going to say, Mr. Voter, when this is all over, when he's done dumb things to embarrass you and then possibly goes on and loses this massive landslide? Do you understand now everybody's looking at you and you can't say after this abortion fiasco, well, how was I supposed to know? I mean, he did everything but announce, I am not ready to run this campaign. And I think that absolutely there are a lot of straws in the camel's back already that were necessary. But I think this was the straw that was necessary and sufficient.
1: Well, to strengthen your point, I'd say it's also a case where, I mean, he just seems unwilling, and I think the abortion answer shows this too, to spend any time studying up, even if you're just memorizing talking points. For all we know, he doesn't believe, but that's what you do if you're a candidate, and even the most irreverent, and idiosyncratic candidate at some point has to do that and and he just seemed unwilling to do it. And in the past he's been able to pivot and get out of it and hey, oh well, you know, misspoke a little bit and I'm I'm different from everyone else. Don't hold me to those kind of gotcha standards. But I, I kind of agree this one might have been bad. I think you see it also among conservative and Republican elites, those who have been toying with Trump and really enabling him, I would say, and defending him. Newt Gingrich, who has been, I think, personally pretty close to Trump. They've talked on the phone a heck of a lot of times, I'm told. And, and Newt thought he you know, he was pro-Trump in his public comments and, and privately has been telling people we can work with him, we can influence him. Uh, it's, it's a populist moment. He's maybe not ideal, but he's the guy who sees it. And let's let's kind of get on board and work with him. Suddenly, I see in this morning's paper, Duke Ingrich quoted saying, Woof boy, you just can't afford these kinds of mistakes time and time again. I think that's the kind of leading indicator, too, or at least a, uh, another indicator right. of what you were saying, of people deciding, oof, I don't really want to be the person who was defending him all these months.
0: And Ann Coulter is uh, on, the, on board with that and some other key people, too. So, you know, what next is the question. Uh, Ted Cruz does well in those contests. Let's say, uh, but it's still very unlikely that he gets 1,237 delegates. So it's you know still looking like that the stop Trump movement is really a uh, brokered or contested convention. What should happen? You know about Karl Rove's comments. Uh, our friend Byron York at the Washington Examiner uh, wrote about them, saying maybe it's time for a clean slate uh, campaign. Just you know do what they did with. Uh, Garfield in, uh, in 1880 and with uh, Warren G. Harding in 1920 and pull somebody out and uh, the reaction I will tell you <laughs> Bill in the uh, new media from Trump supporters and even not Trump supporters but just kind of movement conservatives has been no way absolutely not I don't know.
1: Well, I mean look, I don't know, and a lot would depend on what happens. I mean I think if, if Ted Cruz starts to win a state like let's say he wins Wisconsin fifty to thirty five, which strikes me as quite possible. Let's say he makes New York competitive and wins a bunch of congressional districts and loses overall by rather a you know, a small margin, maybe a smaller margin than he wins Wisconsin. Let's say he wins some of those states the next week and then does well through May and then of course he has to do well on June seventh on the big final day. I think at that point it's gonna be a little hard. I mean I mean Cruz will also be short. And maybe the Trump people won't want to be for Cruz, and maybe the Kasich delegates won't want to be for Cruz. But I would say he certainly gets first shot. And if he's had a good close in the last 15, 18 states, he would, I think, be the nominee. So the, the chances of it being a third person is possible. Trump falls short. but Cruz doesn't look that strong, and he falters a little bit near the end, too. Maybe Casey picks up a few states and stays in. Maybe the, the defeats of Trump aren't that uh, overwhelming. So while Trump is short, Cruz isn't really looking um, that strong. Then you could imagine uh, he, he would certainly still get first shot. You'd have to Trump would get one or two ballots. Two ballots, I think, really to make to, one ballot. The first ballot will be, you know, pretty much predetermined. Second ballot, we see whether Trump can bring over undecided, and you'll be freed up delegates. Third ballot, I would say, we see whether Cruz can do so. Probably, uh, it might not go quite this, you know, systematically. Right. But that would be one way it would go. Third and fourth ballot, maybe Cruz is shot. Look, if you're done four ballots or six ballots or eight ballots, and neither, and they just keep you know, falling short, and there are a lot of delegates who are unwilling to vote for each, uh, Karl Rove can say what he wants, and I can say well, what I want, but the reality, the delegates are going to say at some point, well, gee, is there someone who's acceptable to a majority of us here? I don't think it's going to be someone imposed by the establishment. I think it would have to be someone pretty conservative and pretty acceptable to a lot of crumping. Trump and Cruz delegates. Right. Someone who's been pretty tough on immigration to someone who's pretty populist in his views. Not sure who that perfect person is, incidentally, but um, you can imagine an awful lot of names of uh, retired senators and governors, young senators and governors and congressmen. I can see only people from outside of politics being thrown around. It's not something we've had in our. Adult lifetimes, that's for sure, but it it could be it could be interesting it could be fun, it could be good you could end up with a very strong uh, ticket or it could be just of course total chaos and uh, <laughs> and uh, and a meltdown. who knows but I, I think we shouldn't underestimate cruz i mean the fact is we can say Trump is faltering, but if Cruz is strong enough to really take advantage of it, if he were to get a majority of the vote in the state like Wisconsin that would be that would be pretty impressive.
0: And this is his opportunity to show his more, you know, uh, base broadening, maybe your general election chops, we shall see. But I happen to think, Bill, that living through the horror of facing Hillary versus Trump, that if somehow the Republicans come out on the other side with this acceptable and likable ticket, that people can get enthusiastic about, I don't think they're going to care about Rule 40 or House 2946 or whatever. I think they're just going to say thank you. They don't care how the sausage is made. They just want it to be good sausage when we're done. And right now they're looking at you know, electoral dog food. And I think they'll be thrilled if there's some other outcome.
1: I agree. It would be really ironic to have gone through this whole thing. First, it was going to be Hillary Bush, and we were groaning. Then, it's going to be Hillary Trump, and we were groaning to actually end up with an acceptable ticket on the seventh ballot of a Republican convention. And be a, And I sort of think people would, I don't buy the argument that all the Trump people would go home and, right. and sulk and stay home and never support a ticket. If it's, a perfect, if it's an acceptable ticket, a good ticket, attract a ticket against Hillary Clinton, I think the huge majority would end up voting for it.
0: Well, you've heard of Mutt and Jeff. How about Mitt and Jeff? Mitt Romney and Jeff Sessions. Well, there you go. You got Jeff Sessions on the border. I think I did it. I think we're done. Can we go home now?
1: I just had lunch (laughs) with someone who uh, used to work for Mike Pence, and so he was saying, "Well, what about Mike Pence? Yeah, a conservative governor of Indiana. Um, You know, Mike Pence, Tom Cotton, an interesting domestic policy, foreign policy ticket, pretty populist, pretty conservative, but also pretty, you know, pretty good outreach. I think in terms of uh, independent voters,
0: Condi Perry." She spends all day killing terrorists. He spends all day creating jobs, and we're okay, done.
1: We've got three tickets already, you know? It's not even a problem, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: as long as the tickets don't include the names Crystal or Graham, other than Lindsay, I think we're in good shape. Bill Crystal, I thanks for joining safe.
1: us. I think you're safe for that, Michael. You know? <laughs> thanks, Michael.
0: You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.